Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf, for Leaf. Um, want to start off today talking about a couple of issues that are problematic, at least to me in my mind, and I think it's appropriate that they be looked at in conjunction with one another. Let's first start off with, if you have not seen this by now, there is um, mm-hmm. some video circulating of a African-American gentleman who is jogging in the South, jogging in Georgia. Uh, there is a truck that appears to stop at an intersection, see said black man jogging, two white gentlemen get out of a pickup truck. Um, one's got a, a shotgun, and I believe the other one's got a handgun, but at least the gentleman with the shotgun accosts the black jogger, shoots the black jogger three times, so, three times, shoots him, kills him, and they get in their truck and they drive off. At some point in time, the police caught, caught up to them. Again, this is in Georgia. And they said that they were hunting for a burglar. Uh, so, let's go back. So, one, this is taking place, it appears to be, during the day. Um, two, these dudes aren't in law enforcement. Um, three, which is, I think, most salient as it relates to this whole story of they were hunting for a burglar, is that this is in the middle of a pandemic. They should, they're, you know, again, Georgia uh, has released its, relaxed its uh, stay-at-home orders, but we're still under a pandemic. So you've got two sets of individuals making choices. You've got the black dude who's deciding, hey, in a pandemic, I'm going to get some air and I'm going to go running. You've got these two good old boys, two fat white dudes in a pickup truck, or I guess they were at home or somewhere, and decided, you know what we should do today in the middle of the day? Let's drive around. I don't know how they heard of the burglar, but they heard of a burglar, allegedly. Let's drive around, armed to the teeth, probably had a couple drinks. And um, let's go hunt for this dude. And I use the term hunting intentionally because in my mind, this is no different than what took place uh, post-slavery. When you talk about the concept of lynching, really before, and so there's really two different pieces to the lynching. The one actually obviously is the lynching, the physical lynching of another human being. But you've got to actually hunt to get the human being, right? You just can't show up and say, all right, it's 3.30. And, uh, you know, somebody just walks up, black dude walks up, and he says, I'm ready for my lynching. And you lynch the dude, right? you got to hunt and find said black dude. There are literally still places in the South where black men do not go out on the weekends because it was synonymous historically with a time when white guys would get liquored up and go out hunting black people. Okay? So, the hunting of black people in this country is nothing new. The reaction to said hunting is... So, I used to be of the thought process... 
that I will work anywhere in the continental United States of America if you paid me enough money. So, right? So, my thought was, if the money's right, you can get me to go anywhere. And I have changed my opinion officially. There are certain places, I don't give a fuck how much the money is, I'm not going to go. And the reason why I say that is just, again, this is for me. So, I'm not putting down anyone who lives in these areas or these jurisdictions. I wish them the best. But I'm not going to live in the South. I lived in North Carolina for several years. Um, I lived in North Carolina, but I lived in a closeted North Carolina experience because I was there for college, right? So I was in, you know, a college dorm, interacting with other college kids. You're not out in rural North Carolina. You know, I think, you know, I have, you know, relatives and friends, you know, going down to Atlanta, you know, said Atlanta's, you know, the greatest, you know, I've read and heard anecdotally about how, you know, a lot of people from the East Coast are moving down to Atlanta and, you know, all the accolades on Georgia. But, um, you know, again, Georgia's still Georgia. <laughs> you can be, it can be 2020, it can be, you know, 1820. There are certain things that are going down in the state of Georgia that have not changed. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, as much as I am outraged by this, I am not surprised. So, thank goodness for college football. Now, why would I say that? Well, was college football do anything? Pre-college football, you know, think about it. If there was no Alabama football in Alabama, like, what do you think drunk white people would do? on the weekends. You know, seriously, if there was no football, what do you think these guys would do? They'd go back to hunting black folk. So it's kind of like, all right, well, we can spend our weekends watching the black folk, you know, smack each other up in the head, you know, whether it be basketball, football, or whatever. We can watch these dudes, you know, interact on sports, or we can go out and hunt these dudes. And on a certain, just a, you know, again, I would argue is some type of weird, sick, racial prerogative that these guys have. It's like, all right, you know, it's a thing that just in their blood, and, you know, so no, it sounds like it's a good day. It's like, let's go out and hunt somebody. So, you know, I, I, I so the larger point that I would say is that, you know, I read an article today where 77% of, you know, out-of-work workers because of COVID-19 think that their jobs are going to come back. So, even as you see, you know, armed white people, uh, you know, in Michigan state houses with Confederate flags and swastikas, all that type of stuff, or you see, you know, again, more of these stories of white men jumping in pickup trucks and hunting black folk this is now based under the assumption that our jobs are going to come back. You know? So at a certain point in time, you know, what Trump or anybody else says, you know, Trump can't just wish jobs to come back. That's not the way it happens. And the point is, if the shit doesn't come back, and I would argue that it's not going to come back, it's never going to look like it was before. That to me, unless there is a cure, unless there is a vaccine the concept of that things are going to come go back as the way they were before is asinine on its face, right? 
So again, there's a large contingency of folk who think that, hey, we just ride this out and then I'll be able to go back and to my job and everything will be good. What happens when you realize that your job has evaporated, right? What happens then and how do these people react? Because they'll find a way to blame it on black folk or just to go hunt black folk. That's, that is already in my mind. And you look, quite frankly, you don't even need to stop in the state of Georgia. I mean, there are examples. There's a, you know, black dude was on the street, uh, in New York city. Again, we're talking about the heart of the East Coast. On the street in New York City, police officer literally, you know, assaulted him because of he, he was uh, uh, violating stay-at-home orders. And I believe he's in a crowd, so it's like you know he's stopping one guy, and there's another guy in the crowd says something, and this guy, you know, this police officer had the self-restraint to you know literally just beat the shit out of this guy, pull him out of the ground, just beat the shit out of him, and. The police officer's exp explanation of it was the uh, the black person that he assaulted in question, you know, got into a fighting stance. And it's just like, you know, I don't. So, so look, there's nowhere geographically, ge geographically in the United States of America where you as a black person are immune, not just from racism, but from violence created by racism doesn't matter where you are, right? So I'm not suggesting that, again, you know, there are other places in the country that are some type of, you know, racial utopia. But what I am saying, so police to me, there's, I, I don't want to get into a larger conversation about law enforcement. But I do want to say this is going to be a reoccurring trend that the hunting of black folk is going to increase. So, I don't say that lightly, but I say that to folk for at least for you to be aware of what is coming so you're not walking blindly in to not just, hey, racism, but now racism attached to violence. That's the next step here because that is the frustration that will come. So, that's a, it's an amazing story in and of itself of the hunting of black folk. So you put that to one side, black folk being hunted, black folk being attacked by the police. You know, another story in, you know, in uh, Indiana, there's a black guy and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not of the same generation. I'm not sure if I, if somebody was chasing me, I would live stream it. But live streams a police officer or police officers chasing him in a high speed uh, car pursuit ends up with this dude uh, being killed. You know, and I think white people's reaction is, well, the police officer in question who did the shooting was a black guy. And this is like, that just means nothing to me. Uh, the police and the establishment of the police, you can say what you want about it. It is a white power structure. You know, there's black dudes, you know, that are police officers and some are good, some are bad. You know, if you want to listen to the old KRS-One song, you can uh, about black cop. But the thought process is just the, the, the physical race of the police officer himself. To me, that's really not the issue. The larger issue is you have the police now again hunting black folk. And this is all, everything that we're talking about here, both all these instances we talked about black people, they're all taking place in the pandemic. 
They're all taking place when you think that law enforcement would be focused much more, right? If, so think about this. If I am the police officer, you know, in these instances, I am thinking much more about, hey, I want a social distance. I want to, you know, again, people are actively most, you know, in certain jurisdictions, they're actively not looking to send folk to jail just because that implies, you know, the police officer got to break social distancing. Not like you can lock somebody up, you know, remotely. So, you know, it's just, there's so many different things at play here in terms of how you approach law enforcement or, uh, you know, but in a pandemic, should you be engaging in 90, you know, mile per hour, high speed chases and gunning cats down while they're running? Who knows? I'm not a police officer. So you have that one side, black folk, and then you have on the other side who I like to call the white OJ. My man, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn uh, just came out today that the Justice Department, and this is, again, you know, let's let's everybody be fair. This is Donald Trump's Justice Department, right? So it is what it is. But the Justice Department moves to drop case against Michael Flynn, former advisor. And this is the key quote here in terms of the headline. Who pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI? Stop. Let me make sure that this, the, the, allow this to sink in. The Justice Department, the United States Justice Department, has decided to drop charges, excuse me, to drop the case against a dude who's already pleaded guilty. Now, white people got upset about OJ. OJ never pleaded guilty. This white man, Mike Flynn, with counsel, he had a white shoe firm representing him at the time, and he pleaded guilty. Okay? No one put a gun to his head. No one twisted. Not only did he plead guilty, he began to cooperate with law enforcement. So he was a snitch. Now, before this transpired, the president, and I think it is a combination of just incompetence and just I don't give a fuck arrogance that he just like there is, you know, sometimes, you know, you can say what you will about Nixon, say what you will about, you know, prior presidents who you may perceive to have done or committed malfeasance. Typically, their public pronouncements about things are more nuanced than the current president who literally went on Twitter, Twitter, excuse me, less than a week ago. To bemoan how Mike Flynn was being treated. Matter of fact, we had a podcast episode about this. Where he says, amongst other things, that Mike Flynn didn't even know that much. He never said Mike Flynn didn't do what he was accused of being charged he never said Mike Flynn, the felony that Mike Flynn actually pleaded to wasn't really a felony. He said, hey, he pleaded to something and he really didn't even know that much. 
So while Mike Flynn is not in jail, okay, he pleaded guilty, like I want to say almost a year ago. He has been in. So the story of Mike Flynn is one of a dude who went from being in the military, being perceived as, you know, again, perceived as a competent uh, military leader, so much so that he was appointed under the Obama administration. Subsequent to that, he was removed from his office, began doing just bizarre shit. There's video of him doing, you know, and it's doing like kind of something like a TED talk with Putin, where he's trying to hang in with Putin. It's not, I'm not even making this up. There's video of Mike Flynn doing a speech paid for by the Russian government. And, you know, this isn't like, you know, Brazil. This is, this is, this is Russia, right? This is, these are, and the things that I am saying, these are true facts. You know, he does all this stuff. He's hanging out with Putin, comes back to the U.S., and now, you know, he and Trump allegedly have this kinship. They strike up this bond. Uh, they're running, you know, he's, he's politicking on behalf of Trump. It's before Trump uh, won the presidency. And he's now, you know, got a, he's getting a, he's going, he's a presidential advisor by Trump. He's going to get this great title. And there's an investigation. He lies to the investigators. He lies to the FBI. What is it that he is lying about? Well, to make a long story short, Trump, through whatever back channels, have pretty much said, hey, Russia, if I get in office, certain sanctions are going to be fucking lifted. Don't worry about it. I got you. As shit started to hit the fan. Leading up to, and then after his inauguration, more questions came into play as it relates to Russia's interference in the election. Okay? These are real things that took place. Mike Flynn got on the phone with the Russians, and he basically says, chill the fuck out. We understand. We're still going to lift the sanctions. Don't worry about it. Congress may have passed whatever they can. They can pass whatever the fuck they want. We got you. Mike Flynn, who was in the military, okay, is stupid enough not to understand that the U.S. fucking federal government wiretaps conversations with the fucking Russians. So this motherfucker's on tape. He's on tape telling the Russians, chill the fuck out. Don't worry about it. We got you. Now he's being appointed to a prestigious position within the Trump administration. There's vetting that has to go on. The FBI questions Mr. Flynn. He lies about the interaction with the Russians. He doesn't lie once. There's not like a, a question about it. He didn't know what they were talking about. He's lying. Now, Mike Flynn, who admitted to lying, okay, as we said before, stood up in front of a judge and said, 
yes, I committed a fucking felony and I am going to cooperate has now come full fucking circle. But the best part about the Mike Flynn story and the part that's reason why I want to juxtapose Mike Flynn, white OJ, with black folk being hunted, which is Mike Flynn never served a day in jail. I don't even think Mike Flynn got handcuffs. It is a fact that Mike Flynn has never been behind bars. Now ask yourself how many black folk you know that are going to commit a felony and not be locked up. Then ask yourself how many black folk do you know that can commit a felony and then the old prosecutors who accepted, the own prosecutor's office who accepted said felony plea are going to come back and be like, you know what, you're good. You're good, my friend. You are fucking good. Both of these stories come into play now in the pandemic. Because there's, and the reason why I say that is it's only going to get worse. The president is many things, but he is not that stupid. If he can articulate that his presidential re-election aspirations are connected hand in glove to the economy, and we can understand that the economy isn't shit, we are looking at 16% unemployment perhaps it can be higher it may be higher now I believe the unemployment numbers came out not too long ago so at very least 16% probably more the, uh, the gap is just going to bank oh, no, excuse me the gap is going to open up uh, J. Crew is going into bankruptcy Neiman Marcus is going into bankruptcy so the economy literally is, is a blaze it's a fucking dumpster fire he knows this so, as he gets closer to November and the polls get worse and worse and worse, because they will get worse, it is almost statistically and logically impossible for them to improve when you talk about the metrics of number one, people dying at a 3,000 a day clip. The economy having, not, not even the 2008 recession, Great Depression numbers, having an over 50% disapproval rating. You put all those things into a bucket and you shake it up. And what do you get? Fuck it. I'm just going to let it all hang out now. Because as you recall during his most, you have to, you have to think about it this way. People react to their last experience or their last similar experience. What I mean by that, 2016, when he thought it was in the shitter because literally 20 women had come out and said this motherfucker had sexually assaulted him, excuse me, he had sexually assaulted them in some shape, way, form, or fashion. When he was on videotape saying literally, grab women by the pussy. 
His words, not mine. When he's doing all that, or this all comes to light, he's literally looking at the poll numbers and he's seeing things crashing and he goes, fuck it. Still goes up. Does his rallies, does his thing. Fuck it. And he won. So in his mind, fuck it. The economy's going down. Fuck it. Free Mike Flynn. <laughs> you know, Roger Stone is coming next. Free Mike, free, free Roger Stone. Any and everything he will do, he, he, any and everything that he can do, he will do. You have to understand it. Because now it gets to a point, like I said before, his now first term becomes almost his second term. And what I mean by that is, typically presidents, when they get to their last term in office, their second term in office, those last couple of months, and I'm not going to, I can't run again. So it was like, you know, just kind of let me just do the things that I always wanted to do, you know, whether it be pardons or legislative activities. It's like, hey, you know, this is my time just to kind of let my freak flag, my political freak flag fly. So if you apply that to a first term now for Donald Trump, like, what does that look like? Yo, it looks fucking scary. So this is a guy who literally, when questioned about shit, has said, I am president, I have absolute authority. Now, he may walk that back and try to say some other things later on. It doesn't matter. He's already told you what he thought. Now, he can change it, rephrase it, do whatever he wants at a later date and time, but it's already out there. He's already told you how he feels about all this shit, which is basically, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. So, the question is, what else can he do? I don't have an answer to that. But I literally am holding on to my mental guardrails as we continue on in this pandemic. Because as it gets worse, as the pressure builds, you've already seen a dude who is prone to irrational thoughts and thought processes from bleach to during Charlottesville, standing up for Nazis. The shit is only going to get crazier, folks. So buckle up. Um, before we leave the show, one last topic I want to hit on. And, and I, I found this to one to be funny. I was watching, and then soon, like kind of we all are, we're all kind of watching Netflix and, you know, anything for, you know, kind of take your mind off things to eat up time as you just kind of, you know, live under this pandemic. So, yeah, I'm watching Netflix and Jerry Seinfeld got a uh, new comedy special on. And I'm watching it and I'm probably watching about 10 minutes of the special. I didn't get to watch the whole thing last night. Um, and what struck me is, you know, I've, you know, I, you know, I grew up during, you know, the Seinfeld show. I've probably seen every episode at least one time. I found the show to be funny. Um, I find, you know, his co-creator, Larry David, show to be funny. So it is what it is. I find it, you know, it's fun. But I thought I was watching uh, Jerry Seinfeld stand up. And what struck me is, I know sometimes people will, will watch his name and go, you know, Jerry Seinfeld never curses. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit whether he curses or not. To me, just because he doesn't do, you know, kind of a blue performance, I don't care. But what struck me is I watched the show and I, excuse me, as I watched his uh, special and I thought back on other comedy specials that I've heard him, seen him do. I've actually seen him perform in, uh, in person. 
a Kennedy Center, so I've seen him perform, and I've never heard Jerry Seinfeld ever say any type of political commentary or joke at all. None. And all of his material is, you know, I find it to be funny, but it's it's a very um, cosmetic uh, you know, just it's, it, it, it is, it is a very light funny, you know, it's nothing. If you were again, it's not fair. You just, you know, you just, just suppose, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld and like Richard Pryor. It's not, you know, it's not fair, but even, you know, you talk about other contemporary artists, you know, whether it be, uh, Chappelle or, you know, Chris Rock or any of these guys, there is at least an acknowledgement. I don't even talk about racial things, but there is an acknowledgement of the political times that we're in. Even if you, you know, you turn on, you know, Stephen Colbert or even Jimmy Kimmel, you know, there's an acknowledgement of where we are. And if you watch, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, it's like, you know, don't you hate it when your coffee's cold? And it's there's nothing like it's almost as though shit is not burning down in front of him. Like he's just talking about the same bullshit, and you just want to be like, you know what? If this was any other time, I get that, homie. I, I I totally embrace, you know, where you are as it relates to your comedic, you know, talents. But now, like, it just sounds utterly tone deaf. Um, somewhat similar during the Michael Jordan uh, documentary where Michael Jordan, when they asked him, would he support Harvey Gantt? This is back in the day in the 90s when Harvey Gantt was an uh, African-American uh, Democratic candidate running for, uh, excuse me, senator in North Carolina. Choice between Harvey Gantt, the Democrat, and uh, his Republican counterpart, who was um, just, you know, is a really racist dude. And I don't want to get into all the racism of this dude. I don't even want to get, utter his name because I feel like it gives him too much credence and value after this motherfucker dead to even talk this dude's name. But let's just you call him the Republican senator. Uh, Michael Jordan, although he, got, he, get, he did donate some money to Harvey Gantt's campaign, he would not come out and publicly in, endorse Harvey Gantt. His thought process, and he said jokingly, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. This is somewhat, you know, again, there, if you take out the racial component to it, you just want to say, hey, you know what? I get it that you want to make money. And I get it. I don't think there's even, you can't even criticize a person for having a personality that says, I don't want to publicly speak on my political or social beliefs. Not everybody has to do that, right? That doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to do anything. There's nothing compulsory of anyone. But when you're silent on these topics and you're silenced on these topics during these time periods, it does really kind of like, it, it, it almost makes you less relevant or rele irrelevant completely. So, you know, again, I know when Jerry Seinfeld filmed that stand-up show, obviously there were people in the audience, so it wasn't during the pandemic, wasn't during stay-at-home orders, but now it's being aired, and, you know, his always, his standard MO of being just kind of non-political, kind of, you know, this commentary on life type of guy, 
now this Will was kind of modern day Will Rogers now kind of rubs up against man shit's real out here like don't nobody hear that shit it's like as I was watching I just said to myself like I don't fucking want to hear any of this shit like it's not even it's just speaking to a world that I don't exist in and it's just happy talk and the one thing I'm tired of fucking happy talk whether it be through the Trump administration telling you hey it's all good go back out there ain't shit wrong you know to you know your your comedians or your you know musical artists and the last piece that I'll say is we talk about you know the whole Jerry Seinfeld concept or in terms of artists and what they're putting out you know just like recently and I don't want to just uh point out Drake but Drake had you know a mixtape drop you know even artists that I like you know uh West Side Gun I believe had a mixtape drop and I know some of the older people listening to this podcast like who are these people <laughs> but but the point is there are black contemporary R&B and rap artists who have had music come out during the quarantine and it is utterly tone deaf uh from Beyonce to Megan Thee Stallion to all this shit like, you're talking about things that are inherently outdated if you cannot talk about what's really going on in the pandemic. And I'm not saying that you came up with a word that rhymes with pandemic or you rhyme with quarantine. I'm at home during the quarantine. No, motherfucker. Hey, I will say this. If you really want to say you are an artist and you represent the streets, and I'm using air quotes there, or you talk about black people, you talk about black people issues, then you have to talk about how this disease is inordinately impacting black folk. You have to talk about black folk being hunted. You have to talk about how the judicial system literally is freeing white men who have literally pleaded guilty to crimes. You have to talk about these things. And if you don't talk about these things, again, if you do not talk about these things, that's fine too. But in my mind, your music, your listening, you are literally irrelevant. And it really is just happy talk. Hey, let's do the Tootsie Slide and forget about the fact that we're fucking dying. Hey, I don't forget. And I hope you don't either. Um, as always, you know, I like to close the show on a positive note. I want everybody out there to uh, stay situated, stay safe, stay positive, stay calm. Peace. <laughs>